so we want to open our Bible this morning. We're going to continue on with uh, the sermon series that we've been doing on, particularly on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and uh, open up to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, if you would. And then we're going to pray and begin. So when everybody's there, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says this, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Yes. I'm going to read from another translation. This is the Amplified. It says, for the one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, what a blessing it is that yes. we have your word to read, to put inside of our heart, that you could lead us uh, on the path of life. Jesus, you said you're the way, the truth, and the life, and you have so much for us to understand about what you've done for us and who we are in you. And so, Father, I pray that uh, this message today, let the people hear your voice. Let Speak to hearts, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I pray you would reveal hidden things that have not been known to our understanding, but that we would open up our hearts to go deeper in you and find the joy in that, find the power in that, find yes. the blessing in that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so we are continuing to talk, like I said, about uh, the baptism, the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. With the evidence of speaking in other tongues, we've been talking about that. If this is the first time you're hearing this message, you might want to go back and listen to some previous messages. We've been laying a little bit of groundwork for it. But it is a gift uh, that's offered to every believer after salvation. Uh, and it's not just a private prayer language, a heavenly prayer language that helps you pray the will of God. And it does help you pray the will of God, especially when you don't know what else to pray. Mm -hmm. Have you ever sometimes reached this place where it's like, I've said everything I know to say, but I still feel like I want to say something more. I don't know what. Well, this is where the baptism of the Holy yeah. Spirit and having a heavenly prayer language uh, to speak what Scripture says, the hidden things of God, which is the will of God for our life. It's just not even revealed yet to our understanding. Um, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is also an empowerment to your faith. Yes. It opens you up to an increased understanding of Scripture. I don't know if any of you would bear witness with that, but when you were filled with the Holy Spirit and you began to read the Word of God, did it not open up <laughs> a fuller meaning to you yeah, of Scripture? For sure. It's the, and it's also the gateway, if you will, to the functioning uh, in the gifts of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the supernatural. I know, I mean, my own testimony, my testimony, yours, you would agree, I know, uh, that our love for Scripture was so much deepened mm -hmm. and the desire just to understand the Holy Spirit more and the fullness of God and who I am with Him. It just, it really opened up to us and has only grown since we've received Amen. this gift after salvation. And that was some 30 years ago when that happened. And I remember uh, the first time after we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and began to pray in the Spirit, and I had just started to read the Word of God. 
we, we grew up going to church, but we were in a denominational church. And um, I had never, I was Catholic, and so I never really opened the Bible. I just only heard what you heard, little pieces of the gospel, maybe in an epistle on a Sunday morning. And you were Lutheran, but it was almost the same. And I would read the scripture. But... You would read the scripture after, yeah, mm-hmm. you were born again. But so And so we were learning. We were learning about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. We were learning what the Word of God had to say about it and healing. And uh, I was working as a nurse at the time. I was an RN at the Butler Hospital here. And I was in a conversation with another staff person, a friend, on the nursing unit. And she was t- explaining just in private how much pain, physical pain she was in, that she was suffering with a really bad case of endometriosis. And the doctor wasn't having much success in whatever he was doing to treat her. And he, he was saying, I think you're just, we're going to just plan for a total hysterectomy. And this woman, she was only in her early 30s. And so this was not the direction she wanted to go. And I began to share with her. I said, what I was learning in scripture, this is after I'm filled with Holy Spirit. And so it's like, hey, you know, God heals, still heals today. And <laughs> she's, this was new to her. She was in a denominational church here as well. And, uh, but as I began to explain what I understood in scripture, and I said, well, we'd be willing to pray for you if you want to come to my house after work someday. My husband and I will pray for you. And she, I could tell she had faith. She was interested. And one, I, I would say probably within the next couple of days, right. she came home after uh, work with me. We sat there in our dining room. We laid hands on her. Went over some scripture. Went over some scripture with her. Laid hands on her. Prayed for her. And uh, she began to feel better. She said, I do feel a little better. And so... We explained to her about trusting God for the full recovery. Mm -hmm. And so she went back to her doctor and said, well, I'm starting to feel better. I don't want to think about a hysterectomy right now. And long story short, she was healed. Completely. She was healed. She never did have to have a hysterectomy. And I just saw her about a year and a half ago here in a store in town. We ran into each other. It's like, hey, how are you? This kind of thing. And and as we just caught up on things in our life, and then she said, you know, Mamie, I re- still remember that day I came to your house, and you and Steve laid your hands on me yeah. and prayed for me. She said, you know, I've never had a problem since then. So that's 30-plus years down yeah, the road. Glory yeah. to God. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. the same yesterday, yes. today, and Amen. forever. Amen, yeah. But I know before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I could tell you very plainly and honestly, I would have never <laughs> prayed for anybody. For one thing, I didn't even know about it. It wasn't even open to my understanding. And I would have never had the nerve, even if I was, even if someone had said, hey, God still heals today. And I don't know that I would have understood and had the nerve to go lay hands on somebody mm-hmm. and pray over somebody. But I do absolutely believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit Gave me greater boldness. Yes. But just speak up and go, look, God will still heal. And this has happened. This is not oh, the yeah. only person that That's we have right. laid hands on over the years and have experienced. There was a man who we prayed for with hepatitis C. Oh, totally healed. Went back to the doctor, had the blood work. He said, it's gone. It's not in my blood anymore. Uh, Pretty awesome. Someone who had, was scheduled for heart surgery. I, I remember mm-hmm. the same thing, praying for it. Him, and uh, he, he went back to the doctor. They were going to do more tests before the surgery took place, and they said they don't see Any. the valve problem anymore. And thought, well, <laughs> so, so God does still heal today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, but I do believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
opens your heart up to the supernatural yes. power of God. And it, it certainly did. It opened up the mystery and revelation that God still heals today. And it gave us, gave me greater boldness to allow him to move in and through me so that people could be blessed. Yes. A person can be blessed. So if he healed back then, he still heals today. Amen. And I want to add something here, too. We don't believe in healing just because it happened. We believe in healing because Jesus said it would happen. Yeah, that's the motivation to, to step out and pray. Yes, it's based on what he did. And so we do not believe that the gifts of the Spirit ceased with the last apostle, yeah. as it is sometimes preached. And you're not opening up yourself to the demonic, which has also been preached. been preached, that if you go this direction... You're going to open yourself up to the, to the demonic. And I say it again, isn't that just what the devil would want you to believe? So that you're afraid of it. Because <laughs> he knows if you go in this direction, the power that it'll open up to you and the blessing that it'll be to people. Amen. And uh, so we have to approach God about these things in faith. This is why we do have to come to church when you open up scripture. Come with expectation. Yes. We don't know everything there is to know. That's right. We need to be able to say, you know, I'm going to make room for you in my mind, Lord, because you are God and I'm not God. He's the creator and we are the created ones. And yes. so we're born of his spirit and he wants us to know these things. So we approach in faith. Jesus told us uh, to do this. Luke 11:9. 9, this is up on PowerPoint. Again, I say that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Yes. We approach by faith. He offers, we respond in faith. He offers the gift. It's been poured out, but he does wait for you to take a step of faith. And this is really what Jesus was telling the people even back then. He said, so I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you for everyone. Or no, just a couple of people. <laughs> No, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, yeah. it will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? These are for the people that are like, I don't know, what, who's the Holy Spirit, and what do you mean? Like, go deeper into the things of God. Well, is God, if you ask, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. Verse 13, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There you go. So when we're asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're asking for more of the Holy Spirit of God to take over our lives. Yes. And then one of the other benefits of this is the speaking in a heavenly prayer language, secrets and mysteries. You're uttering secret truths from the heart of God that are not revealed to our understanding. And there's nothing to be afraid of. And there's everything to gain. Amen. I mean, when you read the book of Acts, page after page, you're seeing the effects easily of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high. And they waited, they received, they went out, and then you, <laughs> page after page, you just see miracle after miracle. Jesus said they'd receive power to be a witness for him. This is Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria yeah. and to the end of the earth. You shall receive what when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Power. Power. 
That word in the Greek is dunamis. It means miraculous divine power. Why do we need miraculous divine power? Do you need miraculous divine power? I don't know if one person who's born of the Spirit would go, no, not me. <laughs> of course we do. How else could we be a witness to Jesus in the world? Was he not practicing with supernatural power? Yes. Yeah. So if I'm going to represent Jesus to the world, I need That's endued right. with his power. I mean, if I'm going to be a witness of someone, you know, I'm going to be a reflection of that person. So let's just say, you know, let's say like Susan, she can't be somewhere. I'm going to go and be a witness to her in front of people. So if I'm going to be a witness to Susan, I'm going to, I'm going to be like her. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be servant-hearted. Yeah. I'm going to be full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Yeah, come on. Right? And so likewise, if I'm going to be a witness to Jesus to people, I'm supposed to be like him. And that's be, that it's, also, it's in holy character. Yes. The servant-heartedness, love for the Father. But I, I definitely need something else to my character, to my witness, if I'm going to be a witness to Jesus to people. Come on. I mean, just look at the book of Acts. How will we have boldness to go out and do the works of Jesus without the endowment of power? Hmm. Jesus said, John 14, you want to read that? Yes, scripture? I do. I love this scripture. John 14, you should turn there in your Bible, and it would be good for you to underline or highlight this scripture. It's, it's really, I mean, the book itself is full of miracles, but yet these miracles are spoken to you and to me so that we're partakers of these things. And Jesus said this he said, in verse 12, John 14 Verse 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Hmm. Who's he talking hmm. to? Who, who's he talking to? Who's he talking about? Yes, there. Yes. You. You. You've got to understand, when you see something like this in the Scripture, I write down here, he's talking about me. You've got to own it. Because if they just become words to you, there's no power in there. There's nothing for you to partake of. But if you start seeing this and you understand who said this, who said this? The Son of the living God said this. And if I'm born of his spirit, that means I have his DNA in me, right? Mm -hmm. And if, like Pastor Mamie says, I'm supposed to be his ambassador here on this earth, that means I need to have that holy character, but I also need the power of the spirit to walk my life out in. Yeah. And the, the book of Acts, you, we've gone through it. We've been taking a look at it. There's miracle after miracle after miracle. There's supernatural happenings all the time going through there. It's the power of God manifesting through the people who believe him. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to be a witness for Jesus Christ, we're going to have to have that holy character. And we're going to have to need that supernatural power. It's not either or. It's not either or. But mostly in the body of Christ, it's been, 
It's been one only. Stay away. Again, I say from the supernatural, and let's just develop our, our character of Christ, which is awesome and good yes, and necessary. exactly. We'll look at a scripture here that in, endorses that. But the, it's not even. But the key is, a lot of times, what has happened, because uh, people who happen to be operating in the gifts of the Spirit have poor character. And has brought disdain to the church. And so this is, they, they automatically say, oh, they're all like this. Yeah. So if you're operating, this is why they come up with these things like, oh, it's demonic. Oh, they're, they're yielding over to the spirits of devils. But this is not true. The key is, is that we need both. We need that holy character and we need the supernatural power of God. Yeah. And if you're a doer of the word, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Amen. It really is. You know, this happened. Yeah. It's, it's not something new. Read the book of Corinthians. <laughs> Paul is correcting a church there that operated in the gifts over and over and over, but yet they had poor character. And so he's rebuking them. He, he's, you know, there's, there's a guy in there sleeping with his stepmother. There's, they're getting drunk at church, you know, and Paul rebuked them for it. You know, they were all proud about how operating in the gifts of the Spirit. But yet Paul says, you know, if you do all these things, you operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but you have not love, and the, and the love of God is what we're talking about, and that brings out proven character. You're a, a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Yeah. Because he says humility and the love of Christ is, is the number one thing that we're after. Look at this scripture in 1 Corinthians 14. We went to verse 2. We Let's to verse, take a yeah. look at verse 1. Yeah. He says, you know, the Apostle Paul, he, he's, he's not saying either or, is he? Yeah. No. He's saying you need them both. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little more difficult to work on your character than to operate in the gift of the Spirit. Because the gift of the Spirit is as he wills. When you're trying to improve yeah. your character, that means you have to do something. You have to work at it. You have to crucify the flesh. You have to renew your mind. You have to change the way you're thinking, your attitudes. And so it's, it's a lot more work. But look what Paul says. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Earnestly desire the gifts. Here, here it is. Walk in both. It's not either or. And there's no scripture that says the gift of the Spirit has ceased. There's, you won't find it in the Bible. Yeah. You, you can't find it in the Bible. And there's no, no scripture in the Bible that says that if you speak in tongues, it's of the devil. You know, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says he's going to lead you into all truth. And so wouldn't the devil just like to say, no, no, that's not true. Yeah. It's just the it sounds yeah. like, oh, if you eat that, you're not going to die. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we are called as believers to have both, operating in holy character and the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. You know, some people have taught that, again, tongues is, is of the devil. You know, it's, it's Jesus was accused, wasn't he? Yes. You cast out devils and do healing by the power of Beelzebub. Yeah. You do it because of the devil. 
Then Jesus turned the tables on him and says, I do the works of my father. I do what my father, I see my father do. But you, your father's the devil. And he's a liar from the beginning. Yes. And isn't it? <laughs> it's beautiful because this is the same thing that's going on right now. And has yes. been going on for centuries yes. in the church, really. Yes. People yes. have been saying that, the, well, the gifts of the Spirit have passed away. That was just to get the church started. But now we're all so powerful, we don't need any of that, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, come But on. this, like Pastor Mamie said, isn't it just a great strategy to tell the church you can't operate in the power of God? That's just for devils. Do you know that some of the largest seminaries in this country preach this? They preach that the gifts have passed away. And that if you speak in tongues, it's, I'm sorry, but that's demonic. And what has happened is that the church has had their, hard, their hearts hardened over and over and over because they keep hearing that, keep hearing that, keep hearing that. Do you know it takes faith for these things to work? Yeah. It takes faith. That means you actually have to believe them. Yeah. You have to believe it. To see it happen. Yeah. It, it, it's. <clears throat> and over and over, wouldn't the devil love to be in charge of seminaries to tell everybody there is no power of God anymore. You just have to wait till you die and then you'll figure things out. He'll figure things out. Just do your best. And then that happens and it perpetuates through generation after generation after generation. All the while, the Bible clearly states, do you need power? Well, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's what he's saying. I mean, Jesus corrected the Pharisees. He said the tra your traditions mm -hmm. that you're following have made the word of God in no effect. And so, go ahead. go ahead. Well, it goes back to the same thing. Remember Jesus in his own hometown? He couldn't do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. So if the devil gets his boys inside of these seminaries and tells you that the power of God is no more there because it was only to start the church when the Bible declares that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. Well, then where's that coming from? Where's it coming from? Certainly not coming from heaven, yeah. I'll tell you that much right now. But Jesus, the hardness of their heart in his own hometown, stopped the miracle power of God. Yeah. And so if you have unbelief in your, guess what? You've just stopped the miracle working power of God. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you have to renew your mind to what the Bible says, not what your experience is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're doing, rekindling your faith, right? We're just stirring it up. And it takes some time, message after message. Yeah. And our prayer, our hope is that you go home and you actually look through these scriptures again. Because faith comes by hearing. Amen. And hearing by the word of God. And it's not just, I heard it once, that that's an ongoing, continuous uh, tense. It's hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. That's correct. Because we all know, sometimes you hear something, you get inspired even to church in the morning. And by the time you're to your car, you feel like the devil was already trying to <laughs> pull it out of you. That was, that's not true. That's not for you. And so we're here this morning, rekindling your yes. faith in this. I mean, the apostle Paul told 
Timothy, young Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, this is going to be up on the PowerPoint. He said, stir up the gift that's there you within go. you. There you go. Fan the flame, some of the translations say. Fan it. Well, what, why do you fan a flame? Because it's like flickering. It, it's there, but like, it, needs to, it needs to rise up. It needs to get hotter. 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7, this is the Apostle Paul writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So he, it says that we've been given a spirit of power. That's the same word, power, that Jesus said yes. in Acts 1. But you shall re- wait for the baptism because you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The word, again, in the Greek is dunamis, miracle-working power. So we've been given a spirit of power when we're born again. But you do have to stir it up. You could just sit there all your life and do nothing with it. Yep. And it's like this big, you know whatever, a Hummer car sitting in your driveway, it's tanked up, ready to go, and there's just no one ever turns the key. It's like, I wonder why that car is not doing what it's supposed to do. I thought it could do so much. Well, no one's moving it. There's like a, like a yep. dynamo. Like you've got to do, go. make some effort to make that thing go. And then the, it says here, the apostle Paul laid his hands on Timothy in faith, and a spiritual gift was imparted. We don't really know exactly what that gift was, but it was supernatural. Yes. It was a supernatural occurrence because he's saying, remember to fan the flame. Maybe it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't really say what it was. But we do know that the laying on of hands is a way to actually transfer mm-hmm. the anointing yes. of the Holy Spirit. And it is, it's mentioned in Scripture the laying on of hands is a part of the elementary doctrine of Christ, Hebrews 6. We mentioned that, I think, last week. Yeah, the elementary teachings of Christ. The laying on of hands. Laying on of hands is done to set apart people for, for ministry, anoint them into ministry. We see that happening in yeah. Acts chapter 6. That's correct. When they chose those seven men to help serve the widows, and it said they prayed over them. These men, that, they said, choose out men that were full of the Holy Spirit and, and power and faith. And it said the apostles prayed, laid their hands on them, and then sent them out into ministry. To serve. To serve, yeah. So laying on of hands can impart blessing. Jesus called children to him. He laid his hands on them to impart a blessing. You see the patriarchs in the Old Testament often doing that. Before they would pass on, before they would die, they'd call their their sons in particularly and lay hands on them and and pass on, anoint them, you know, with a blessing and prophesy even over their life. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we see that in Mark 16, we could lay hands on the sick to impart healing power to them. And we see people, uh, we see people in the book of Acts, as we're going to eventually get into these stories, <laughs> laying hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the belief in the Bible is that supernatural power flows through human hands. Come on. Right? And when you look at your hands, like you can just think about it in the natural. Well, it doesn't seem like there's much power here. How can this be, right? And this is part of the mental block. There you go. That we have about supernatural things because we're not thinking enough in the spirit, if you will. Scripture says in Colossians, keep your mind set on things above, not on things in the earth. This is one of the ways we do it. 
we think about who we are and the, what the kingdom means to us and who we are in the kingdom. But it's this mental block in our minds that has to come down. We have to cast down these imaginations that say, no, you can't do anything. It's not for you. It is for you. Yes. If you're in Christ, it's for you. And the Western world is just particularly dominated by natural science. And boy, you're really hearing that now with COVID. Follow the science. Everyone's just supposed to trust the science, right? Trust the science. And, it was 100 years ago. Trust that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. trust the omniscient one. Yes. <laughs> um, that's what that means, omniscient, all-knowing. Science is supposed to, to know. But any good scientist would say we don't know everything. <laughs> but the Western world, we've been taught to just rely on our five physical senses, touch, mm -hmm. taste, smell, see, hear. If I can't figure it out, then it must not be true. No. You're born of supernatural power. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power on yes. the inside of you. And so we are people who are called to walk by faith and not by sight, right? Come on. To step out and act upon these truths. Because you could just sit down and go, oh, I'm scared. And, you know, this is why I think maybe Timothy did that. Paul was like, stir up, fan the flame that's in you. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but, but power, love, and self-control. You take a look at that scripture right there. It talks about holy character and the power of God. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear. That's the power of God. Love and a sound mind. Self-discipline. That's holy character. Another mm -hmm. argument about against the gifts of the Spirit is that when you were born again, you got everything you needed. You don't need anything else. Pastor Mamie was just reading about Paul and Timothy. Remember the gift I laid hands on you? The whole presbytery laid hands on you? It was imparted to you. Stir it up. So if he got everything he needed at being born again, yeah. we, we mentioned this too, Philip and Samaria. If they got everything they needed, because the Bible declares the whole city wide were starting to believe. They believed Jesus and were baptized. And why did the disciples have to come down and lay hands on them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why? Now, this is really important. <laughs> There is a subsequent gift after being born again, and yeah. that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's imparted by laying on a hands. You don't necessarily need hands laid on you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but what do you need? Faith. You need faith. Yeah. You need to believe. And desire. You need a desire. When I was baptized, Pastor Mamie, she was baptized in the Holy Ghost long before I was, three days before. Well, three days. <laughs> It wasn't three years, it was three days. <laughs> and I'll tell you why it was long, is because... Yeah, he wanted I, it so bad. Yeah. I determined if anybody else on this whole planet was going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, it was going to be me. And I told God that too. I said, <laughs> I mean, I was after it, and I tried to make myself speak in tongues. I almost threw up. idea. <laughs> <laughs> It was bad. <laughs> then I started whining to God on the, on the highway going down 422. Lord, you know I really want to be speaking in tongues. And then all of a sudden it just came out like a river. It was awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> the other part is you got to have this faith to believe. You really do. It's available after salvation. The next part here is that you have to stir up what's already in you. You have to stir it up. 
Stir it up. You have a responsibility, and I have a responsibility. God has put giftings inside of us, and if we're just sitting there waiting for something to happen, guess what? Faith without works is dead. You have to add your faith to it. You have to add your faith to it. You cannot just come to a healing line, have that laid on, hands laid on. Well, nothing happened. Well, that's all you're going to get because that's not faith. It's actually faith in the opposite. And that's what's happened to the church is that they've believed what these people have told them over and over and over that the gifts are done. And so they actually are exercising their faith in reverse. Yeah. So you get nothing because you believe nothing. <laughs> we need to stir up the gift that's within us. Amen. You know, these gifts work by faith. And you need, you need the right fellowship of people. Around you, for I mean, sure. like you said, you need the right fellowship of people around you because, you know, if people around you are saying, don't go there, well, like sheep, you know, that's why Jesus called us sheep. Well, Everybody just follows remember that the guy, other person. The blind guy? Yeah, you need the right fellowship because there's just collective belief. Mm-hmm. Yep. If we all come together and we walk in this room and maybe you've been reading the Word of God before you came the last couple of days and your faith is stirred up and you come into the room and you stand up and worship and you're singing these songs, I'm telling you the atmosphere in the room changes. Yes, it does. It absolutely changes. There's collective belief that will raise up our expectation and it invites the moving of the Holy Spirit among us Right. where we say yes to God. But then there's collective unbelief too, right? There's people, if you come in, if people come in and there's just mental blocks and I don't know and well, we'll see and I... Wait and, till I feel better. And the other part of it is very little, very little consuming of the word of God yeah. on your own. Come on. It's like, it's like a, if Bible calls this spiritual food for our spirit, mm-hmm. what would happen if you came in here and you ate a meal and then you didn't eat another meal till next Sunday? be starving right and if that happens if we get a meal on sunday through the word of god spiritual food this word is spirit and life to us and then i don't touch it then i'm really spiritually hungry by the time i come back in and it almost it just takes some time to like pump everybody up feed everybody but if everybody comes in Ready. Ready. It's like, you know what? I've been reading the Word of God, and I feel like the Holy Spirit is moving in my life like this. And then we all collectively join together. There's something greater that can happen among us. There's just a power of the Holy Spirit to move more freely. Yes. I mean, there was a story in Mark 8 of of, Jesus taking the blind man out of the city to lay hands on him to heal him. The city was Bethsaida. And you think, why did he have to take him out of the city to lay hands on him to heal him? Well, if you, when you look at all the Gospels in Matthew 11, yep. Jesus rebuked Chorazin. I, I wrote it down here. It's not up on PowerPoint. It said, he, then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they didn't repent. So apparently Jesus was in Bethsaida, did a lot of mighty works, and the people just were like, well, that, I don't know what they were like, but they did not repent. <laughs> they did not respond and say, you're the Messiah. Oh, you know, I need forgiveness of sin. I'm going to follow after you. 
And so he said, woe to you, Bethsaida, woe to you, Chorazin, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago yes. in sackcloth and ashes. So Jesus knew the atmosphere in that town of Bethsaida was like this collective unbelief. People aren't going to respond, and he knew that that blind man would be affected by that. So he takes him out of the city to lay hands on him. Yes. And I, even the story is interesting because he first lays hands on him and he says, can you see? And the man says, no, he spit on his he eyes. He spit on his eyes. That's There's right. a real reason for that too. Yeah. Of all the strange things to do, spit on his Boy, eyes. Boy, wouldn't the TV love to see that? Yeah. Community <laughs> Life Church, they're spitting on people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But spitting under the old covenant was like a curse. Like That's you right. Cursed. And so it was actually rebuking the curse off of, right. off of this man's eyes. And at first he said, I see men, but they're like trees. I'm walking like trees. And I have to wonder. I mean, I thought, isn't it interesting that even Jesus, when he laid hands on him once, it wasn't completely gone. He had to do it again. Yeah. Was that because of the unbelief that that man has just been exposed to in that city? Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Right. Yep. So we're here when we talk about these things, we're just taking our time. We realize we need to just take our time and keep building faith for the supernatural, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because yeah. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, he is today, the same yesterday. That's in Hebrews, by the way. Yeah. The point is, is that so, we are here to help stir your faith. Yeah. So the Bible declares without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we'll, you. Well, let's move on. Let's maybe get to Acts chapter 9, since Whoa. this is your part. <laughs> Acts chapter 9. We wanted to get back to, of course, now specifically the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is, again, the power of God coming upon our life. That's right. The power of God coming on our life subsequent to salvation. Yeah. Uh, so. We had gone through these first eight chapters before, and... Stephen was just martyred in the book of Acts. And the people who were throwing the stones laid their cloaks at the feet of a man named Saul, young man named Saul. Saul, who after being born again, his name is Paul. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He wrote close to, what, three-quarters of the New Testament. Yeah. Uh, the guy was... He suffered a lot for what, because he, he, he was, he murdered people, abused people who called on the name of Jesus. He wanted to cause them to renounce their faith in Christ. And he was so zealous for this that he uh, got letters from the chief priests in Jerusalem to go to Damascus and get anybody who claims to be in the way and bring him to Jerusalem and put him in chains. Paul was a Pharisee. He was one of these brilliant guys that knew Scripture back and forth. He was zealous for his faith, and so he thought that Jesus was a fraud, and so he was trying to eliminate Christianity from the world. Well, if you know the story... He and a group of men are going on the road to Damascus. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> Jesus interrupts his life. Yeah. <laughs> he says it's such a bright light came upon him, brighter than the sun, and it knocked them all down. And the 
Paul, who's Saul at this time, said, heard these words. Saul, sigh, why are you persecuting me? Yeah, this is verse 4. This is really an awesome scripture yeah. if you look into it. Why are you persecuting me? Not why are you persecuting Jason or Mary or Karen. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? You are the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah. You're identified with him and he's identifying with you. You and I are one with him. Whoever he says we are, that's who we are. Yeah. That's why you have to renew your mind to who you really are. Who are you? Yeah. Am I just, a, oh, just everything works out bad for me, everything? No, yeah. what does it say? It, Jesus said I was more than a conqueror. That's right. That's right. Jesus said I could do all things. And so where's your mind? Because your faith is attached to the words you're speaking and to the way you think. If you think you're a failure, you just applied your faith to it. But if you think that I'm more than a conqueror, see, you've got to understand your identity in Christ. Not your identity in Steve Ogle. My identity as a child of God, born of his spirit, a brother of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. And so you have to renew your mind to this. So Jesus tells Saul, why are you persecuting me? And of course, everybody's on their face. And Paul brilliantly says, who are you, Lord? (laughs) Like what we would be doing. (laughs) And he says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And then he, he, Paul was saying, well, what do you want me to do? In my opinion, he was born again right there. He called him Lord. He says, go in this city, and uh, I'll tell you what you're supposed to be doing after that. And then he comes to a place where there's a disciple, not an apostle, but a disciple named Ananias. Yeah, that's in verse 10. Verse, okay. Well, Paul was unable to see for three days. And, and he, he neither, didn't need, he, he got the message. <laughs> I'm sure he was meditating <laughs> about everything that just happened. Yeah, yeah the Bible says that uh, he tells, Jesus tells Ananias, go, there's a man named Saul. He tells him exactly where he is, on a street called Straight. He's in Judas's house, asking for Saul of Tarsus. He's there. He's praying. It says, in a vision, he saw this guy named Ananias come in and lay hands on him. And then Ananias says, whoa, I know this cat. (laughs) This guy's not so good. (laughs) He's killing everybody, especially us. (laughs) And this is really remarkable because verse 15, it says this. Lord told Ananias this. He says, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias was obedient because he, in a sense, in his own mind, is taking his life into his own hands. 
And so he's obedient. And so Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, wait, Saul had this vision given to him by Jesus that this disciple's coming in, Ananias is going to lay his hands on him and be healed, open his eyes. So Ananias comes in and he says this, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be what? And filled with the Holy Spirit. And filled with the Holy Spirit. My opinion is that he was saved on the road. He had three days to get his life right with Jesus Christ. And now the subsequent for his salvation, here comes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know who did it? It wasn't an apostle who laid hands on him, right? It was a disciple. We're all disciples. You know, the Bible calls us saints, as a matter of fact. So when you have faith and you understand these scriptures, then you can lead somebody into the baptism of the Holy Spirit yourself. Anybody up for that? I mean, if you're a disciple, you should be. And if you're not up for that, well... You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost yourself, and then you'll get this boldness. And this is it. Now, here's the question. Does it say he spoke in tongues? Let's go to verse 18. Yeah, go ahead. It says, and instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He recovered his sight, and then he arose and was baptized. Water baptism. Water baptism there. And the Bible continues on there. It says that he was... He went into the synagogue and preached boldly that Jesus Christ yeah. was his Christ, the Son of God. And we do know Paul said, you know, I wish that you would all speak in tongues and that I pray in tongues more than you all. So we do know that Paul Spoke was baptized and filled with That's the Holy 1 Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 8. And Scripture always mentions it as in, along that line, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. So there you have an example in that chapter of Paul, someone being saved filled with the Holy Spirit, and then water baptized. There's a, a group of people in the book of Acts called the Bereans. Uh, and the Bible declares that the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica because what they did, they searched the scriptures to see if the things were so. This is what we're encouraging you to do also. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Why we put these things up on PowerPoint is so that you can open your Bibles up and mark them yourself. You know, you could take notes here. You could feed your faith like Pastor Mm -hmm. Mamie was explaining. Could you imagine if everybody came in this building full of the Word of God? Expecting God to do something. And even expecting God to do something for yourself. He'd do it. We're here to stir your faith up so you believe God. Seems crazy, doesn't it? Here's God speaking to us. And then what do we do? We take the word of man or we take the word of our own conscience or we take the word of our experiences above the word of God. 
What I don't want to have happen is what happened to the children of Israel. Because what they said, it says the children of Israel limited the Holy One. Yeah, right. We had an experience here that we just looked at. Jesus' hometown could do no mighty works there. Well, that scripture just happened. They limited the Holy One. And I, you know, when you look out at the days ahead, you look out what's happening in the world and the darkness and even the deception because scripture says that deception will grow greater in the last days to the place where it could almost deceive even the elect if it were possible. And so we do need spiritual discernment. We need insight. We need to know how to find truth. We need it to be revealed to us because it also says that when the Antichrist appears on the scene, there'll be lying wonders that will be performed. While scripture, when you look at the church, the church is meant to do the, the signs and the wonders from Almighty God. That we are not to take some back seat place yes. and, and watch the devil move out into society and into the world. While the church who's been empowered and called and equipped for this very thing just sits back. So we are not those people, right? We are people who are going Come to on. rise up and be yeah. the church. That's just like the song that we sang. We'll be a church ready for you, right? So let's just, let's, let's tell Jesus that's who we want to be. That's who we are. Heavenly Father, we just I thank you so much for the power of your word. It is truly a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And you've given us so much. You've given us a spirit, not of fear, but one of power divine, miracle-working power, love. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. And self-control, thank God, we have self-control. We can walk out by the grace of God. The life that you've called us to, a life of holiness. And so show us opportunities, Holy Spirit. I pray you show us opportunities in the days to come, ways that you want us to step out, walk in the Spirit. Lay hands on people. Have conversations with people, Lord, that are in need, that need to know the love of God, that need to know the hope that you bring, that need to be healed, bondages breaking off, broken off. Lord, we look for opportunities. Holy Spirit, show us, help us. We'll be the people that you've called us to be. And I guess if you're in this place and you've, you don't know that you've ever had your sins forgiven, that you've ever made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. We've been talking a lot about the power of God, but the, it all begins with salvation. And his salvation is not something you could earn. It's not something you deserve. Salvation came through the blood of Christ. That blood paid for your sin and my sin. Yes. And when he rose from the grave, the justification, the freedom from sin and its power is broken over a believer's life. And so if you, you're in this place today or at the sound of my voice, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, and anybody in here today give that opportunity to. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you made it easy for us to receive salvation by just saying, come into my heart, Lord. 
Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Make me a new creation in you and help me to live for you forever. And we thank you for that wonderful gift of salvation.